Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the Happiness Is podcast with me, your host, Bruce Aitchison, sporting his Kowloon top today because he's thinking about Hong Kong, wishing he was there. But if you can't be in Hong Kong, what do you do? Well, you hook up to speak to an absolute ray of sunshine, someone who is back on the pod. Uh, We made that promise that it would happen again, and here we go. To have a look at the Six Nations, to have a chat, to see what she's up to, the one and the only Anna Capeless. Look at this. Where is she? Hello. What's happening? You're what's happening. The sunglasses <laughs> are on because you are in Galway. No, go again. I'm. <laughs> well, you might be fooled to think it's Galway, to be honest, because it's so windy and cold <laughs> where I am. The, the glasses are just to throw, just to like intend to like make people envious of the fact that I'm living in Spain at the moment. But uh, I'm living in a very, a very northwesterly zone. Um, actually, I live in a town called La Coruña, which people only know because of Deportivo, Deportivo de La Coruña. So, uh, if you know, if you never knew where that was, look it up on the map. It's like as close to Ireland, as close to Galway <laughs> as you could be if you were still in Spain. So, it's. And like the sun will come out and like, I'm like, oh, I'll go outside and maybe do some work outside. And I can't even hold down the page because it's so windy. And then it's raining a minute later. It rains loads here as well. So uh, I made a great choice. <laughs> so when you get that call, would you like to come and play rugby in Spain? You're picturing beaches, sunshine, sun cream, sunglasses. Yeah, training late at night. So it's nice and cool. And yeah. actually you swapped like for like. Yeah, well, do you know what? I actually, I was looking, I knew I wouldn't play until like after Christmas. So I just basically reached out and I was like, who needs a back row? 
and uh, this team here needed a back row. So I was like, yeah. And I had thought about it. I was like, oh, I'd like somewhere sunnier, but they needed me. So I was like, yeah, okay, let's do it. And uh, yeah, it's been an experience. I studied Spanish, so I'm I'm happy to be here, like practicing and improving and like using it finally. So yeah. So how does it work when you're on the pitch? Does the Spanish that you learned for four years transfer on a give me the ball, ruck over? Yeah, it's hard. Because even like talking on the pitch is hard anyway to give, you know, the right, like effective communication. When I always think like, because I'm obviously a rugby coach as well. And like talking on the pitch is something you have to practice. Like you You can't just arrive on the pitch and give, like, for example, in the defensive line, the right communication to the people around you, unless you practice it. It's like actually learning and practicing a language. So I'm really strict on that as a coach. Like, you have to be talking all the time and giving as much information as possible. And, like, I know other coaches will say, no, you have to give, like, the right detail because someone you you need to, like, deliver, the, like, the, exactly the right information. But you can't get to that. It's like being able to speak Spanish perfectly, like, straight off the bat. Like, you can't learn a language. You have to be bad at a language for a really long time before you get good at it. It's the same with talking on the pitch. So to combine the two of them, like, yeah, it's, it's hard. But um, I think as long as you're saying something, people know where you are. So even if I'm giving, like, saying the wrong thing or at least I'm talking and, and they know where I am, whether it's in an attack or defense or whatever. And usually that just works anyway. Um, but do you know what I find really hard is coaching. Um, coaching is hard in another language because you have to like give commands. And as well, you're trying to be like really strict and like really energetic and blah, blah, blah. And then you say something wrong and they laugh at you and you're like, oh no, <laughs> I've just lost them. I'm going home. That's, that's been the most difficult thing, coaching in Spanish. Yeah, but I love it. You must be a whirlwind for this group. I mean, they must have a million questions for you. Um, yeah, it's funny. Like, it's just a different kind of environment. I feel like they're actually not that accustomed to, I find anyway, especially probably the environments that I've come from, like in the Prem and, and playing for Ireland and kind of high performance environments where you you ask and you discuss and you kind of tease out an answer they don't do that much here. Like, so I'm injured at the moment, sadly. Hopefully it's not too bad um, in the long run, but um, I'm out for a little while. So I'm actually, I've taken a few like drills down at, at training and I'd ask questions like, okay, what do you think? And they're like, do you know, they're just not used to that kind of like discussion on the pitch. And um, me, that's my style as a teacher and as a coach. Like, okay, what do we think? What can we do better? Like, getting them to give the answers all the time, but it's uh, it's different here. They're not they're not as accustomed to that. So, um, yeah, it's 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 interesting for me to to learn and practice that and like see how else I can, you know, what other methods of coaching I can use. I love it when you slip into Spanish because a, a lot of that Irish disappears. You you've pretty much nailed that accent, haven't you? I thought I had a good accent until they all started taking the piss out of me here. They repeat things after me and I'm like, stop. <laughs> but actually, I, 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 for me, like to have to use the accent to know which language I'm speaking in. So like to go from Spanish to French, because I, I studied a lot of languages, to go to switch between them, I have to use like a different voice and a different accent or else the words don't come to my head. So... Um, but I was talking about this. Um, I have, 
I'm doing another rugby podcast at home. And I was saying, I was like, I'm a real, um, what's a nice way of saying it? I'm very annoying. <laughs> Do you know when like you, you're talking to someone who's like lived in France for a while and they're like, you know, they go to a cafe and like, oh, yes, can I have a, a coffee and a croissant? <laughs> Do you know, that's me. Because I can't say croissant. Like it just, it's just, it's not in me. I feel like a fool either way. So can't order a croissant anymore. I have to order something else <laughs> because I feel like such a fool if I say it. With the, with the Irish accent or with the French accent, depending on who, who I'm around. So I'll have to be in France to order a croissant from now on. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's so good. Are, the, are your teammates aware of the Six Nations going on just now? Yeah, they are aware and most of them will have watched it. Um, but it's interesting. There's a Four Nations competition out at the moment as well. I don't know if you saw that, but... Um, uh, South Africa, Spain, USA and Canada are here in Madrid. I'm actually going to Madrid tomorrow to, to watch the games. Um, so they were invested in that as well because obviously Spain are playing. And um, yeah, they they know a lot about it, but it's um, more kind of like the, the, the big players and like just the score lines and stuff. And it kind of, I found, especially for the men's Six Nations, I was really excited. We have a really cool clubhouse in the club. Um, but... Uh, and they were all going there. I was like, oh, great. I'll go there as well to watch the Six Nations. Like, they were putting it on the big screen. And I was, like, I really invested, obviously, in the Men's Six Nations as well and, like, all the games. But for them, they kind of go just to hang out and have rugby on in the background. So, like, a lot of people were, like, talking to me, like, all throughout the game. And I was just, like, mm-hmm, like, trying to watch the game, like, trying to listen to the commentary in Spanish as well. So um, it's certainly a different vibe. Like, we're so lucky do you know how lucky we are to be Six Nations country? Genuinely, like, it's so well, exciting. You're, you're very lucky at the moment. Well, be it, well, Being Irish, it doesn't get much luckier for the men's Six Nations. The women's well, are, the men, it's a little bit of a tougher shift at the moment. Unfortunately for me, I'm not a man. <laughs> <laughs> and you, I must have, you must have I enjoyed only, the Grand Slam. I only mean that half in jest. But yes, I enjoyed the Grand Slam and I love watching the Irish men's team play. I think... They're so exciting at the moment. And like just all the talk around the World Cup is just so exciting. But I think France are just class as well. I think we could, we could, this could happen like with the prop, seemingly the best Irish team we've ever had and the best opportunity we've ever had to win a World Cup. We could be knocked out in the quarterfinal by France because France are at home as well. So it could be just your same old Ireland turning up to a World Cup kind of vibe. It could be. So let's see. But I'm very excited for this year for men's rugby. Yeah, it is class. And the women's, the, obviously one of the big bits of news is the blue shorts for mm. Ireland. And there's there's been lots of talk around that. Um, mm. Social media has really taken that and the support for it's been class. Long time coming, but happy it's there. Um. Yeah. Um. I really liked the white shorts, so I, I'm, I'm going to miss them. <laughs> and... Yeah, it's it's cool because it does like it takes that out of it. I've certainly felt very anxious um, in like, especially at the back of the scrum where like your arse is in the air and like you could be, you know, you could be on your period and you could be thinking like, oh, Jesus, there's something on show here. So, yeah, that's definitely great that that's gone like and that anxiety is gone. But 
it there's parts to it like Wales also have a, a sponsor you know that gives them like period safe underwear and they've then kept their white shorts so um although I think it's great from Canterbury and stuff what I'm a little bit like what I'm going to miss a little bit is our uniformity with the rest of the union you know um the men's the under 20s like a, an Irish team you know that turns up to play like we now look different to them again and it was a big deal for us to have our crest changed I know it's a slight it it, it is a slightly different thing but um, we used to have a, a circular crest, which meant, and all of the representative teams had a circular crest in their jersey. But we argued, like, we're a senior team, we should have the proper senior team crest. And, like, they changed it. And we were like, aside from the sponsor, had the same, you know, the same look on the pitch as the men. And I'm going to miss that a little bit, I think. And I was kind of thinking, like, you know, if the union if the union really wanted to like um, really show that they were on board this decision, why didn't they get the whole, the whole, the whole union to change their whole, um, their whole uniform and change the men's shorts to Navy as well? What, what do you think of that? I reckon there would be some Irish rugby stalwarts spontaneously combusting in the street if they pulled that one. Yeah, so do I. So do I. I think it would never happen in a million years, but there's a part of me that's like, why not? Like, why wouldn't you commit so much to say, you know, we're not going to have the women's team looking any different. And now I don't want to take away from the fact that, yeah, in there, easy decision, let's talk to Canterbury, let's change the shorts, bang, done. Um, that was like, you know, good and, and fair play to, to whoever made that decision. But I think it, there could be, there's more to it as well because we've lost that uniformity with the with the whole, the rest of the union now. Um, so we'll see if other teams like follow suit and stuff um, because, you know, they've, they've changed it at, at Wimbledon. They've relaxed the rules for, for, for female players at Wimbledon, which is awesome as well. So, yeah, um, it's definitely an interesting topic and one that we can continue to discuss, like, why not? And it makes it seem like, like, let's take the taboo away from it. It's not a big deal, you know, like um, to, to, to have like blood in your shorts, like it happens women every single month. So for sure it's going to happen, you know, players who play in, in white shorts. So um, it's definitely an interesting topic and good that people are speaking about it, you know? I love, this is why I love speaking to you because you've, I hate that phrase, thinking outside the box. It's just, Anna Banana thinks like Anna Banana. You've brought things up there I'd never thought of. Yeah. And it, but it's important to have those discussions and those different views. Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't mean that I'm definitely right or they're definitely wrong or they're right and I'm wrong, whatever. Like, it, you know, discussing these things and keeping them as, as a moving topic is what's important. And I would say that about anything. Yeah. about everything in, in the game and, and in, in life in general. Let's like stay open about it and let's take a taboo away from everything. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So you mentioned being in the back row there. Sarah Hunter, I mean, kind of fairy tale finish. She finishes up north, big win against Scotland. You know, she gets to captain. Do you like that or was that a bit too soap opera? What's your thoughts on her finishing the way she did? You know, a, a few people have been kind of not so sure about the way England have done things at the moment and the fact that they've kept their same management from the World Cup and they're going to do one Six Nations and then change it up. But also, 
there are different ways to do things. And people said, oh, that's weird that she's retiring at the start of the Six Nations. But also, um, I think I think it was the right thing for them to do. And I think um, she deserved that. Like, she's England's most capped player. Um, it's, it's insane what she's achieved. You know, when I met Sarah Hunter first, actually, I... <laughs> You're going to laugh because you think I'm a nut job anyway, of right? Of course I am. No I used question. To, <laughs> I used to play for Austria because um, I <laughs> studied. I studied abroad in Austria. In, of sorry, in Vienna. Of Vienna. Of course you did. Why, why would you do anything conventionally? I love no. that you start that. I played for Austria. <laughs> so Austria went to a, like a European... Um, camp uh training camp with who else is there like poland hungary uh, a few other of the kind of tier whatever um european teams and graham smith came as a coach and he brought sarah hunter as a coach uh it was on like lake balaton in hungary uh year i don't even know what year it was whatever year i lived in in, in like long time ago not not to give away my age too much but she came to that, like how random, like out of some some like European rugby coaching um, camp in. Uh... She, she must have turned to Graham Smith and went, "Have you heard the accent on that Austrian player?" <laughs> She's check her passport. She's not Austrian. Now the thing is that I didn't actually play in any official tournament. Um, I only played with them kind of on the interim, and then when we got to the Europeans, I was the manager. <laughs> So, um, yeah. Always on time, always ready and prepared. Says your man! Says your man! (laughs) Yeah. But uh, that's when I met her first. And then to kind of meet her on the pitch, like, she's such a legend. Like, and she's so, like, you know, softly spoken and just works like a demon around the pitch. And um and I'm delighted for her to have finished that way. I was I was bawling crying every time like they showed her parents and and her niece on the pitch with her and it was so emotional and so deserved and like what a legend of the game like fair play to her um and England for kind of giving her that and I think nobody would begrudge her that especially nobody within the environment because they've got so much from her that they they you know, she's earned that and they were delighted to give her that opportunity to finish like on her terms. So um, I wonder if she's still out celebrating. <laughs> Just still in her kit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just still in a bar in Newcastle somewhere. Oof, Just that's sad, actually. That's a really sad thought, like to think, because I always found that after an international game, especially um, the moment after when the game finishes, like when you're in the dressing room, like still in your kit, like I actually, I get sad sometimes when people start to like remove their kit like quickly. I like the moment where everyone's just in their kit. And you know, like the men's teams do this a lot where they invite the other team in to have a beer with them. I've never done that. We have never, ever done that. And I'd love Even to make it. the barbarians. Even Not the in the dressing room. Where we would have been, we would have had like drink there ready to go. And it depends like for, for the barbarians, certainly and depends if you know you've won a final or whatever and what the team is but I've never invited a team in or been invited to another dressing room isn't that mad because the men do it like every weekend 
Yeah, that that is that's a shame because I love that. Um, I don't yes. really like the cameras being in the changing rooms. I don't like the TV camera in the corner showing you half time. I I always loved the changing room and it was just your place and you were yeah. all together. And you're right. There's there's those moments after the game, win or lose. Sometimes it's quiet. Sometimes it's loud. Sometimes you sing. Sometimes, but though those were just for you. It's kind of a sacred space. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Um, so I'm just thinking of Sarah Hunter and the dressing room afterwards, like taking off the jersey for the last time, you know, and when you know it's the last time, like that's a, that's a big thing. When you don't know, it's probably easier because you're just like, you know, you're, you're thinking like you always treasure it anyway. Like I always like hold the jersey and like squeeze it for a little bit before I put it back or whatever. But um uh, you know, for her to know she was taken off for the last time, like, oh God, I actually feel like getting choked up now. Or else she was probably like, thank feck, I'm done. 141 times, Jesus, yeah. lads, that was excessive. I'll, I'll see I'll see you at five o'clock on Friday for a beer. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, one of my favourite bits about Sarah Hunter is that she's always worn black, classic Adidas World Cup boots. Just... No nonsense, no white, no not. I just want my World Cups. <clears throat> That's it. Love that about Sarah Hunter. Yeah. yeah class, yeah, yeah. class act. So yeah. <clears throat> first round, any surprises? Um bit disappointed no. with Ireland. Yeah, yeah. Certainly um disappointed with uh the, the result. As well as the performance, it was a bit all over the place, um, which is a bit sad. And I, I feel I very much feel for the girls. I'd like to have seen a bit more cohesion, but it was hard because they kind of were trying different players in different positions and um, seemed to shuffle around a lot during the game. Um, and then we all saw that in the second half, they kind of they got into it a little bit more. Um, so I'm just, I'm a little bit frustrated for them and they will be as well that they didn't like hit the ground running. So it kind of feels like a bit of a, they're already kind of on the back foot. Um, would they have beaten Wales anyway? I don't think so. Like I was so impressed with Wales as well. And I'm really happy for them that they were able to, you know, it shows their professional program, like shows um, how, how it's benefited them. Uh, even when you look at them, like they, they're they're all in such great shape, and I know how hard they're working. And like, I'm just, I hope um, they can kind of continue that form. Like, I'd be really happy for them to continue that form because they've worked so hard. And um, well, we won't get on to next weekend's game yet. But like in terms of Ireland, like yeah, new players, young players coming in, um, very inexperienced squad. Um, so it's always going to be difficult, but like to, you know, to start, start again at the bottom, no, sorry, not in terms of like comparing to other teams, but in terms of like building a new squad, like it, it has to be done. So, um, here we are, this is the, the journey that they're on and there's a lot of talking points around it. And a lot of people were very disappointed, especially off the back of the men's six nations, like to, be elated by like the men's senior team and the under twenties to have won two grand slams and then, you know, not be able to follow through with the women's is, is, is a bit frustrating. And I'd love to, I'd love to see us in the same place as the men's team. And, you know, for my whole Irish career, we were always going for third. Now we never, we never arrived at an England or French game who were always one and two. 
we never arrived at one of those games thinking like, well, you know, this isn't the band. We're not going to win. Like you always believe you can win. But we were still, you know, realistic in terms of like, where, where do we aim for? And like, there's these fleeting moments where you're like, right, we can we can win this. We could actually, we could win a Grand Slam because you believe in yourself so much and you believe in the team so much, you know? So, um, but we always were aiming for third. And I think that, that's a long stretch for this team now, especially after the result versus Wales, like unless there are other kind of changes and results, which there still could be. But France will come uh, to Cork now this weekend and like they will certainly believe like, okay, we can perform at our best, get into their heads, fracture what they're trying to achieve and make it a bad day for them. So um, it's going to be a big ask, but like you... oh. It's tough. It's they're in a, they're in a tough place, big kind of transitional place, and and um, I just want to see them perform well. Um, and I think. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Given the second half versus Wales for Ireland, um, they'll be able to kind of know, okay, we finished on that note. We can carry that note into the next game and go one better and, and perform even better again. Um, uh, it's interesting you said about aiming for third because England just seem like they're on a another tier to what's mm. going on. Uh, how how do you prepare for that? I mean, Scotland concede almost 60 points at the weekend and they're, they're short of a few due to injuries and GB7s, but, you know, that that's a pretty tough start. Hmm. Or, or how do you prepare for playing England at the moment? I think you have to kind of, depending on where England are at, but they might change up their squad a little bit, um, kind of give some younger players shots, try some new combinations or whatever. It always depended when they were playing France because they'd usually kind of change up their team a lot. And then the week before France, they'll put out the team that they want to play versus France. So if you are playing them right before they play fr- France, you get their, their strongest team. Um, it depends, you know, you'll do your homework on them, look at the squad and, and think about that. But if it is, if it is, if you know that the best players in the world are coming into your back garden to, to, to get a win and go home, to get five points and go home, you're just like, right, I'm, I'm here for it. This is why I play. This is why I play international rugby. Like, I'm not going to stand down. I'm not going to um, let them run over me. I don't care who she is. I don't care how many caps she has. I'm going to play my best and let the rest take control of itself. I love it. I'm going to do my best. It's just been announced that England-France is going to be the biggest 
attendance for any women's international, which is incredible. Um, <laughs> how how do you think the game's going? Is you know, are you confident about where we're going? For women's rugby, um, yeah. Um, but it's hard. Like, it's hard for England because they've been at the top for so long now that I actually think that that's what lost them the World Cup final. I think that they weren't challenged enough in their, not even for a season, not even for a year or two years, for a long time, haven't been pushed, pushed, pushed to produce and, and and pull something out of their souls. Like, you know, pull a win out of the bag, grind out a win. They haven't been in that position. Um, and then when, it, when the pressure came on, now I know they had 14 players in a, in the world cup final, but I would have backed England with 14 players any day over any other team in the world coming into that world cup. Genuinely, they could have played every game of 14 men. And I think they women, and I think they still would have won. Um, but they were under the pump so much. They hadn't been under the pump that much in however long. So it's difficult for them as well to really, to really reach those new heights. And like fair play to New Zealand, I thought they were unbelievable. But really, I, I wanted England to win to show the world like this is what we need for our for our teams. And like New Zealand, having won the World Cup are now in a bit of a, they're in a, they haven't figured things out. I don't see the urgency to build on the legacy of their World Cup in New Zealand. Um, they're still without a coach. Um, they're, you know, I think that if, if they came second or if they lost that final, there might be slightly more urgency to be like, right, how do we win it the next time? Because if you turn up to your World Cup, like, having thrown your coaching team together now it was brilliant and they you know they there was a lot of knowledge there but it was thrown together the year before and they still ended up winning sure why would the union do anything different then they're like great whoo we got away with that one you know and i think that's the attitude for a lot of unions towards the women's team and i'd love to see i'd love to see um like it's 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 great to see the professional um all the professional um teams like popping up here now and, and and everywhere but like how do you beat england that is what you need to be thinking about not how do you beat ireland and italy and because you know all those competitive games we need to be aiming for the stars here like building a program that means that within a couple of years you could beat england so yes it's great they're all starting to give their contracts now. But because it's coming so late, it has to be more than enough um, that, that the unions are offering their, their teams. And it's, you know, a, a, they're not doing it because they really want to. They're doing it now because they have to. Um, I think that's definitely true for some unions more than others. So I think it'll still take a bit of time. Like, how could England be selling out or sorry, I'm saying selling out. Um, do you know what? They could sell out Twickenham. Do you know, I see seeing it all over Twitter now. They'll certainly sell it out for the World Cup. Could they sell it out for this Six Nations? That game is the last game. There's going to be enough hype built by then that actually they could sell out Twickenham this year. And then other teams are like getting handfuls of thousands. Like they're just the disparity is 
is massive or sorry I shouldn't say disparity but the gap is still so massive that I'm I'm impatient with how long it's going to take to 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 close yeah that that's a worry because England seem like they're so far ahead they've got the resources they've got the competitive league although the league's now full of players from other countries mm. um how, how do how do other countries manage do you think you said England were maybe a bit undercooked for the World Cup mm. So where, where do they go and find that competitive edge and how do the other teams try and close that gap? I don't know in England's case, could you have done anything different? I'm not criticising them for that because it's completely, yeah. they're the ones leading the way, you know, and I, I, I think they've done, they've done everything they can um, to, to, to make themselves the most professional outfit and they couldn't have done another thing. Um, in terms of like, uh closing the gap <sighs> you have to build a league like they have in England we can't all be you know I've, I've young players again touched me you know would you recommend playing abroad where would you recommend and I have to say England I'm like get in touch with some English teams and like the danger for saying that is that if you're an Irish player going in if there's an English player in that club in your position ahead of you she has to start. Um, and, and they have those. It depends on the team and the, the discussions and all the rest. But essentially, that's why they built the Prem, is to build, you know, develop their own players. So you could be unlucky in that if there's an English player ahead of you, they have to play. We cannot all be relying on the English league. Everyone needs to kind of start being a bit smarter about building their own home domestic leagues. They have a plan in Ireland for it now. Um, Could we get a URC, do you think? Could we get... Scottish, couple of Scottish teams, four, four Irish teams, four Welsh teams. Is that the, the difficult thing with that? Is if you're gonna, um, yeah, like, and what you have to do is make those teams like professional as professional as possible. So even if you go like semi-pro and all those players and they they keep part-time jobs or whatever, that would be you'd have to do it that way because. I know for me, when I played for Munster and I adore Munster and I would have done it like a million times over, Munster is, Munster is big. You could have to drive for two hours to training and then drive back and then you only have a three-match series and you're driving for half the year just to play three games. And then if you're getting more games and you're ramping it up, you have to drive, keep driving. Like to make those, you'd have to centralise that programme around those provinces um, so that would be difficult to achieve. I think it might have been easier to do with just your club, um, where girls are closer and you've got more teams and more opportunities to play. But look, this is what the RFU have decided. I think they're going to go with that, like to kind of start the, the professionalization of the the provinces. So, yeah, good. I'm, I'm going to back them on it, but I think it's a lot more difficult than it seems just on paper. So. Your passion and enthusiasm, your your knowledge, the future for you in coaching? I think so. Um, I certainly hope so. Um, it's kind of one thing that saved me a little bit, like uh, when I retired from Ireland last year and especially what COVID did to the last couple of years of my international playing career and my, you know, kind of um, elite level playing career. I'm disappointed with it. Um, and the one kind of comfort for me is that, right, I'm going to 
continue in women's rugby as a coach. And it's one kind of saving grace for me that I'm like, okay, whatever I didn't achieve on the pitch as a player, maybe I can go and achieve it as a coach. And I don't think there are enough women's coaches. And like, it's very easy for me to be like, we don't have enough women's coaches. You need to go coach. You need to go coach. I can't say that to other women if I don't apply that same rationale to myself. I do believe we need more women's coaches and opportunities for women's coaches. So I can't, I can't say we need more women's coaches if I don't do it myself. Who, who do you look at from your playing days and think, they could be an elite level coach? Um, it's a good question. Jeepers, lots of girls. And actually, do you know what? Anybody, because you can't just, like, you know, the, for example, in the men's Six Nations, we analyze the coaches so much. You know, people are talking about like Steve Borthwick and Eddie Jones and Andy Farrell and all these coaches, we like analyze them so much. But all those coaches are different. And I think that like there's no one way to coach as long as you have a team around you that like facilitate that covers all bases. So, you know, if you've got a head coach that is brilliant technically and not so good at like building relationships with players. If you've got a team around you that can do that, that's fine. If your head coach is all about like personality, culture and everything, if you're getting the technical stuff from someone else, uh, it's, a, it's all about the team. I don't think like she's going to be an amazing coach all on her own. Like I definitely think that that's a silly thing to say. And actually, I'm saying this now, but I said the same thing to my mom and my sister uh, a while back. I was like, look, I just, I want to be a coach, but I don't think I'm good enough in like this area, like whatever area I mentioned to them. And they they literally like went for me. They're like, Anna, that's such a stupid thing to say. Why would you say it's such a stupid thing? Like giving out to me. And I was like, actually, yeah, you're right because there is no point to me, but it's such a typical women's thing to do. You know, like, oh, I'm not fully qualified. Whereas men like apply for jobs, you know, apply for jobs that they don't have qualifications for, but women won't, you know, and it's very kind of typical uh, feminine side of me to be like, no, no, I think, I'm, but I have to overlook those feelings and like push past those feelings because I know when I was a coach, same time I was a, as I was teaching and I used to be teaching uh, during the day and then coaching in the afternoon when school finished. And I remember this feeling so clearly of like looking out the window and thinking to myself, like, I cannot wait to get out there in the pitch when my classes are done. And I loved teaching as well. But like when you're saying that to yourself, I think there's something else to that. Like I have to remember that feeling whenever I get these doubts, like, oh, I don't, no, I actually don't think I'm going to coach. No, no, it's, it's too hard. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. But I have to remember that, though, that phrase that I said to myself then, like, cannot wait to get out there. Um, I'm 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 keeping that in my head to to remind myself like yes I could I could make this my job <laughs> and not a not a you know couple of hundred euro a month job like an actual job eventually. Where... Absolutely no <laughs> doubt, but I'm going to absolutely stitch you up here and put you on the spot. Who oh, then? God. Tell me who would be on your coaching team? One or two mm. names. Okay. I would be I would be your manager, obviously. You're the manager. Yeah. 
Um, I'm going to go with uh, Fiona Hayes as scrum coach. Um, do you know Fiona? She used to play for Ireland. She's a coach in Ireland now as well. I'll give her the scrum job. Um, has to, because I know nothing about scrums. Okay. <laughs> Me neither. I'm only a back row. <laughs> yeah. You're just hanging on with your arse in there. Well, do you know what? That's it. Do you know what, though? I for the Back row is interesting because when you're at scrum time, the, the front row and the second row, especially front row, gets so much coaching. I always like the back row are always able to stand and listen to the points they give the front rows. So I feel like when I try and help front row and they're like, what does she know? She's not front row at all. I'm like, yeah, but I always listen to the coaches when they're giving out to you. So, um, uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't class myself as a scrum coach. No, no. Um, uh, Mo Hunt. Yes. Give her the, the, the back's job. Um, defense. Let's see. Cause I need a big team here. <laughs> a big team of oh, defense. Um, Hmm. Oh my God, there's so many. There's so many players. I've played with so many players. I've played in so many teams. Um, uh, nobody from Rugby Austria uh, sort of coming to the front of your mind here? Not currently. <laughs> That's no slight on them. I actually, I've, I've spoken to Austria about doing some coaching for them going forward as well. So I hope, uh, I, hope I can make that work like down the line. Um but you know, coaching is hard when you're still playing um, because everyone trains and plays in the same days and nights that you do. So I found it hard to find myself a team to commit to. Um, so I'm just like technical stuff and player coach stuff is kind of fine for now. But um, yeah, you've really put me on the spot there. No, I, I like bad. that though. I like that. If I, if I leave someone out who really wants to be my assistant coach, like I don't want to, you know, <laughs> I don't want anyone listening to this being like, she never picked me. Well, just just you say to them that they need to apply and, and put themselves forward no matter what you said. <laughs> yeah. I don't know which team we're coaching yet, but. Well, I'm pretty sure there'll be a happy bunch. Uh, and I've been class speaking to you. Thank you for giving up time again. It always makes me smile. Uh, come on then, Ireland, we're shooting for third. Where can they finish? I'm going to give them every benefit of the doubt. And I think that Italy are scared of Ireland. So I think Ireland could take a win against Italy. And I think that Italy could beat Wales. So I'm going to say third. Because I believe that they believe that they can as well. So I'm I'm gonna say third. If I'm wrong, um which could be given the nature of like the, the six nations in general, um it's not because I didn't believe in the girls. So love it. And who's your player to watch for Ireland? Who should we be watching? Um hang on, I had the team up there a second ago. Yeah, you were like in number eight. Oh, yeah, Derv, Derv Nicovard at number eight. I'm excited for her. She played so well for Munster in the Interpros. Um, so, yeah, let's let's go with Derv and Nicovard, who is like every commentator's nightmare, I think. Yeah, well, my nightmare as well. That's why I called her number eight. But <laughs> I'm, I'm now going to put her in my fantasy team. Yes, do. Yeah, good good shout. Derv. So her name is Dervla. Um, she she speaks Irish at home. She's from like an Irish speaking part of Cork. Um, but uh, you can call her Derv, and then her surname is Nickavard. Um, yeah, I, I believe you. I'm I'm a hundred percent behind you there. But I presume I find, 
see yeah. when I do my fantasy team, I yeah. I get so I, like I pick people I know or people I like or people I've spoken to, and actually, I, I probably should be a bit more because they they don't know what I've picked. Like they they could not care. That's that true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I did I did have I, I do yeah. especially with the Scottish girls. I find that one. I mean, let's face it. If you were still there, you'd you'd be in the team. Uh, oh, no question. You know me. <laughs> I know, I know, but I I, I ended up drop. I stupidly dropped Chloe Rowley. I mean, what what was I doing? <gasps> and she, yeah. she like she would she would tackle me if she knew that. But I I dropped Chloe. Um, yeah. but I only got four hundred and fifty eight points on on the first one. Uh, so I'm hoping that I can I can get up a bit in in week two. Well, fantasy rugby is funny because. Now everyone's really stats nerdy. Like everyone's yeah. like stats, stats, stats. Um, which makes you like, I don't know, does it make you enjoy the game more or less? <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I did it through the men's. I did the women's last year um, and I, I, did, I fared slightly better on week one, but I'm, I'm determined to get it right. So I'm going to study the teams and I'm going to make sure I perform better this time it's a great thing though because i think it's making people more aware of the players and they're paying attention yeah. i get i get what you mean it can get a bit too much like stats but there's a name attached to the stat and if that means it raises the awareness of that player i think that's a good absolutely. thing absolutely i like this isn't a takeaway that i think it's a brilliant thing but for me personally in my mind uh yeah i i just think i'd kind of obsess obsess over it a little bit too much so i think it's easier for me to kind of relax um relax while watching it and not kind of uh yeah um see it through uh rugby stats eyes now i must say catherine boggy is on the on the bench this weekend for ireland for her first cap so that's uh really excited exciting for her because she's been in and out of camps for a while and and picked up um injuries and stuff so like fair play to boggy um she'll get her first cap for ireland this weekend that that is so cool catherine boggy that's just class that is class her name her name being buggy that that's just cool holly Aitchison's always in my team holly holly Aitchison gets picked no matter what and yeah. I, I love that an Aitchison, I, I was gutted that an Aitchison didn't win the world cup but hopefully she'll win the next one yeah, certainly yeah well that's the thing about england like so many of those players especially because it's now only a three-year turnaround yeah back with their tails up and in england whoo, yeah there's the uh, best Sorry, I was going to say the best thing about like going over to New Zealand, like for the World Cup, because I was there, is that there were so many people there who, like, you know, from the rugby world and who are all interested in women's rugby, particularly. It's just like being in this bubble of like a world that we've always wanted. There's no like, no one challenging you, no like, no toenails, no like. Um, you know, everyone had full respect for the game and everyone's talking about the game and all the rest, but like it was also like everyone was on holidays yeah. because everyone was just there, like had their time off, went to New Zealand. To, so like when it comes to England, like everyone just needs to realize they need to book the whole thing off and just not turn up to work for those eight weeks. And uh, that'll be it, fine. It's going to be a riot. You're right though. The three year, there's a lot of the Scottish girls I think are, are going to hang on that maybe would have, but because they had to do the, the five year cycle, it's three years let's let's have a crack at it so it'll be interesting to see um i think they're after this next one there'll probably be quite a big turnover of players won't there yeah i reckon yeah 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 okay thank you amazing to see you 
You too. You're uh, busy lady. No worries. Come visit me in Spain. <laughs> where, where it's cold, windy and wet. That's exactly what I need you don't to do. Need, you don't need any sun cream, but bring a rain jacket. You always need I'm, sun cream when you've got no hair on your head. That's true. I, I, I need sun cream in Scotland. <laughs> true. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. See you soon. Bye-bye. Good luck. Absolutely love it. Ray of Sunshine. Uh, if you enjoyed it, you can catch us on Apple, Acast and Spotify. You can watch on Facebook and YouTube. It's well worth catching up and give Anna a follow on social media because she's an absolute riot and the future is very, very bright. I have got no doubt she is going to be at the elite level in coaching very, very soon. See you all soon. My name is Bruce Edson from the Happiness Is podcast and my happiness is egg-shaped. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.